Welcome to Heartspeak Podcast, episode 156, White Buffalo Calf Woman. Welcome to the Heartspeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. Thank you for letting me be part of your life. And it's been an exciting week. Did you enjoy that Piscean full moon? Did you find you couldn't sleep like me? Did you notice that the equinox also had a lot of power around it? There is so much vibration happening. There's so much new energy coming into this planet. And because of that, I always feel that my intuition is heightened at times like this. And that was definitely true of the last few days. I just happened to pick up a book, an old book by Ken Kerry, some of you may know it, The Return of the Bird Tribes, and read about the white buffalo calf woman. And this wasn't a new story to me. It was a story I'd heard 20 or 30 years ago. But it reminded me of the quality, the depth of wisdom that comes through that story, which I'm going to relate to you. And I thought, well, maybe I'll look at this for a podcast and then blow me down. (laughs) Wasn't I watching something else on YouTube and someone who I admire started talking about having seen a white buffalo, a real one. And then he goes on to describe the white buffalo calf woman story. And if any of you know that when I teach intuition to people, I say, look for three knocks, three times of listening to something. If you hear it three times, do it. Well, I didn't need three times. (laughs) I just need twice. And I thought, this is really calling to me. And maybe she's calling to me to tell her story, to relate this to us all today and what this means to us because her message was that she would return when we were in times of chaos and disparity. Well, we probably are there. (laughs) So this is probably why she's coming to my mind, my heart at this time. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to offer a little time, not necessarily to meet her, but for many of us, we believe that we have Native American, maybe other native or indigenous people, guidance. And we're going to focus on especially the indigenous people, especially the First Nation people, and honor them and say they have something now that we need to address, embody, embrace, if we're going to move forward as humanity. Because if any group has been slaved and disenfranchised and suppressed in their knowingness. It's the First Nation people, the Indigenous peoples. I can't believe that when we're looking at the way they've been treated around the world, they still have a lot of suppression and we have a lot to pay back to them. We are still needing to honour and respect them for who they are. And I've had the privilege of meeting many different groups as I've travelled And I believe that each nation has within its core this indigenous teachings or the peoples of this land. 
and that each country represents perhaps even a different chakra energy, a different energy. And for me, the Aboriginal people of Australia are very much of the land. They are the land. It's a very base chakra, but it's not based in any negativity. It's that they are the foundation of, of, of the spirit of, of humanity, spirit come onto the earth. And for me, the Native Americans here, the indigenous people here are very much around the wisdom of the voice. And hence you're seeing me, I'm wearing lapis and turquoise very much. Turquoise relates to what we call the thymic chakra, which is halfway between the throat chakra and the heart chakra. So when you want to speak your truth, we often place our hand, don't we? I hope you can see this if you're watching me on YouTube. We place it between our throat and our heart. We don't grasp our throat. I don't think you do. Nor do you grasp your heart chakra. We say, this is my truth. And we often, it's that little notch that we have uh, in our sternum that we often kind of strike that and say, this is my truth. That's the thymic chakra. And interestingly, if you know anything about anatomy, uh, that thymic chakra is associated with the thymic gland or the thymus gland. And that thymus gland is all about immunity. So when we speak our truth, when we're true to our heart, as you would know, I would say, then our immunity becomes stronger. But when we speak with forked tongue, <laughs> uh, we speak out of two sides of our mouth, then we are not true to our heart. Isn't that true? And that there are many sayings that come from the American Indians, the Native Americans, who would say white men speak out of two sides of their mouth. They say one thing and do another. That hasn't changed an awful lot. So when we speak from our heart, we are resonating with that truth as well as being accountable for that truth, my love of accountability. But it's not just saying, oh, I'll say this, but actually I don't mean it. It's saying, not only do I believe this to be true, but I'm actually going to stand by it. And I'm going to stand the consequences of what I say. So turquoise, when, when people wear turquoise, and I put it on specially for you today, or they wear turquoise in clothes, it's about speaking from our truth. And many a time, if you want to wear a necklace, you can have it right on top of that thymic gland and, and really enhance that speaking your truth. So bringing all of that together, I think it's very interesting that I had the privilege of being led, trained by two wonderful medicine people back up in Wisconsin. And they shared with me so much, not just about their own tradition, but also about how they've been treated. They came from the Lakota tribe. And I didn't know, of course, I wasn't brought up in America, but that it wasn't until 1978 that they were given religious freedom. And as you may know about the Constitution of America, religious freedom is a huge part of that. And yet the very people who should have had religious freedom, they weren't given this. Now, even though they were given it, there was then, of course, talking out of two sides of their mouth, people who then said, well, yes, you can have religious freedom, but actually you need to do it anywhere, you know, not just on your land or you have no right to the land which is sacred to you. You need to do it elsewhere. So, well, you know, why do you need sacred place to go to? Just do it anywhere. 
which which is really a, a dishonoring, especially for these people who believe in their deep connection to Mother Earth and to Father Sky. And so it wasn't until there was a Supreme Court because, of course, someone wanted to mine or mine in a certain area, take over these sacred lands. So there was a fight about land. Yeah, what's what's different? And eventually the people were allowed, 1988, to actually take back their lands for their own religious traditions, their, their, uh, their particular performances and the, what the service ceremonies that were important to them. And so it was 1988, 1989, but even then it wasn't all there. And it really wasn't until 1994 that true religious freedom was given. And I don't know if many people know who live in the United States actually know that this history existed. And it was so interesting because, as I'm going to tell you the story of the buffalo calf woman, she said, I will return as a white buffalo when you need me and it was in wisconsin that a white buffalo calf was born in 1994 so very interestingly that when freedom was given for religious ceremonies and and to be able to live your own religion then this white buffalo actually calf was born and it when anybody sees a white buffalo, it is a sacred moment, which was so interesting that this gentleman I was watching on YouTube had seen one. So what does this all mean? And it means how important it is. Religion isn't about following a dogma. It's following our hearts. It's following our spirituality. It's following our sacredness. And I was, again, interested to see that the definition of a domestic terrorist here in the United States was someone who celebrates religious holidays. And it was like, hmm. <laughs> so if I use the word terror or terrorism, it is someone who terrorizes me. So I thought, wow, you, whoever made these laws must be terrified of me because I don't necessarily just celebrate one holiday. I see every day as a holy day. That's the meaning. And so if I am welcoming the sun in the morning and saying thank you for rising and enjoying nature and making a connection between earth and spirit or mother, mother earth and father sky, and I do that as I reach out into the day or go for a walk or go whatever I'm doing in my life. I'm constantly connected. Every moment of my day is a holy day. If being holy is connecting to spirit, which I find in everything around me. And it made me think how terrifying that must be for people who don't believe that or don't feel safe when someone has a deep connection within themselves that doesn't allow anybody to break that connection. And I will just finish that little piece that I remember years ago going to a land here. It was one of my first journeys here to the United States before I lived here. And I went to this one place where there'd been a devastation of the people. The people had been killed, taken from their land, forced off their land. And 
I could feel the energy of what had happened. And this has happened for many people around the world. They've been forced from what was important to them, their, their homes, their, their communities. It's happening, of course, still. But I felt the sadness. And yet, when I sat with it and I meditated in that place, I was shown that sacredness is not something that's external. You know, we may say, I don't know, some uh, something that we've held is sacred to us, a, a cup or a, um, a chalice or whatever it is that you were brought up with, a book. You'll say, well, that's sacred. But even though those things, and that's what I visualized, I saw that these things had been burned and had been destroyed by the people who had taken over this land. But what I was shown is that the sacredness is not outside us. The sacredness is that sacred hoop, that sacred flow of energy that is eternal. And that when we honor that the object itself does not make something sacred, it is actually the object helps us to reconnect to the sacredness inside us. And that's sacred, that service. And I feel that that's really the message of the white buffalo calf woman, that she was reconnecting her people to the land, to the spirit. So let me just tell that story now. And the story is said to be around 2,000 years old. Again, that's just someone has written that down and said that to be true. And the story goes that the people of that time, the Lakota people were were having problems with famine and maybe drought and and really calling on spirit to help them at that time. And they sent two guides out, two men out, to try and find maybe a new source of water, a new source of food. And as they were searching, this beautiful maiden came towards them and she almost felt as if she was floating. And they knew she was holy, Wakam. And they knew that this was such a beautiful woman. She was holding a bundle in her hands. And one of the two men saw her as sacred and almost bowed down and said, okay, how can I help? And the other one only saw her as someone who he would like to mate with. And the other one said, no, 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 this person's sacred. But, you know, the one who only wanted, could feel his lustful feelings said, no, I want to mate with her. And so she came forward, and there's different ways the story is told, but there is this, as they mate or they get together, there is this cloud of dust that rises up, and when the dust clears, she's there, but there's just a pile of ash or bones, depending on the story you hear. And there are different ways, of course, people come in with ideas that, you know, this was bad, his lust. But I like the story that I was also told, which was she said, he wanted this so much that I gave him a whole life of whatever this pleasure was. But because it had no connection to spirit, it had no connection to his soul, he was just left with a pile of dust. And I feel that that's something I'm really sensing, which is if there's nothing more to our lives than maybe being led by our ego or maybe by our neediness or our desires, that when we have finished this life, it's really hard to say that anything has been sacred to us. Let me say it in a different way. 
all our actions that we have are not meant just for the pleasure of it. It is so that we can return that sacredness of that deep connection that we have with whatever event we were part of or whatever we created. It's not in the creation that's important. It's our relationship to it. How did we grow? How did we become wiser? What are we returning to great spirit because of our, our experiences? But if we're only doing things for the sake of, okay, I'm here, I'm just going to have an experience because it's got no other purpose, then like that poor man, we end up just with a pile of dust at the end because there's nothing, no connection to the depth of our eternity. So the story goes on and um, <laughs> the man who believed in her and rever had reverence for her went ahead and told the tribe to prepare and she asked him to create this amazing place where she could enter and she entered in a, in a very ritualistic way and she said i've come here to help you but you know there's going to be certain ways in which to do it and what she showed was this idea of having a bowl and a stem which became the chinupa what people call the pipe or the peace pipe and the very essence of carrying that pipe is the union between mother earth and father sky between men and women so that when a man and a woman get married they wrap their hands around this pipe because it is the union and so the bowl itself which is made of red stone represents the buffalo represents the four-legged but it also represents the red man and the bowl is the container, and it's always held in the left hand. The stem represents the wooden stem, all living things. And then around the join between the bowl and the stem are 12 eagle feathers representing all winged beings. But the, the eagle being so sacred to the native people, they see it as the messenger of spirit. So I may just be putting my own ideas but you could say the bowl represents the, the skull, the thinking, and the stem represents the backbone. And it, the, where they meet is at that throat chakra or that thymus gland I was talking about. And around the bowl are seven circles, which represent, again, not, not the brain, but the fact that when we honor rituals and rites of passage, then we are continuing our deepening connection between spirit and matter. So religious ceremonies as such, spiritual ceremonies, are essential for our reminding ourselves to have that deep connection, to, to continually remember to make that connection. And it's there in every religion I've studied. Every religion says there's a time for prayer, there's a time for releasing, there's a time for letting go, there's a time for becoming centered, whatever we want to call it. And we all need that in our day. And so there were practices like the Anipi, the sweat lodge, the practice of purification. And I believe the purification, the, the Anipi is often uh, a circular, a domed shaped uh, structure built out of, of different, it's built out of wood and it's built out of uh, skins of animals. But it represents also for a relationship for women, that womb, the sacredness of a woman's period, a woman's moon time. 
so that in many ways every month women are entering their own anipi, their own womb, their own time of purification. And I've been honored to be able to go into an anipi a few times and it's an amazingly sacred experience with uh, in a very important time for purification, for releasing, and, and to being honored by what they call the grandfathers, the stones that are gathered together, the grandfathers speaking to us, and for, for us to actually enter our prayers into these grandfathers, to ask for those things that, that our hearts desire at that time, and to be heard. So song and prayer and dance and gestures are vitally important to the teachings of the white buffalo calf woman. That it isn't just doing something, it's honoring the fact that our voices carry the prayer. That if our prayers are just inside us, it doesn't mean the same thing. When we add our breath and allow our breath to share our prayer, everything becomes magnified. But we first have to purify, we have to empty our minds of everything we think we want and really just speak from our hearts. Again, speak from that thymus gland. And other practices that she shared with them. So the purification, the vision quest, the which is a, a sacred time of taking yourself away. Again, honoring that space. Once again, almost emptying ourselves of the external world, going within, allowing those visions to come to us. They call it the keeping of the soul. These, I have very little understanding of what they deeply mean. The naming of the baby. The understanding that the baby speaks to us while in the womb gives us the name of itself. It doesn't pick a name because it's a popular name out there. All of us say, this is the name I want to be known as in this world. And the name resonates with our purpose. So whatever our name is, my name being Paige, a page is a messenger. I'm doing what I came here to do. And then the meeting of relatives, the gaining of relatives, how important it is to have families, the marriage, very important as well. And there are other practices that I may well have forgotten there, but these seven practices were essential on the sun dance, and I have been privileged to go to a sun dance, where really the prayers are for not just the tribe or the individual, but for humanity, the, the bringing in the tree, the finishing of a tree, and then building literally once we let something die away, such as a tree that we've cut down, we build a new tree. We see very similar ideas in Christianity, where we have the tree at Christmas that is cut down and brought into the house and then decked with lights to bring the new life back on the time of the winter solstice. So she shared all of this, and there were many other practices, you can look these up, but to me, she was really saying how important it is that we understand our connection to spirit. And very much when you're filling the pipe with specific tobaccos and sweet willow and other beautiful herbs, you're very much linking this to the four directions and to the below and the above and the self, those seven directions that we've spoken about before. So what am I saying? I think that she is back. I think that not only is she back in our lives, but there are many indigenous teachers that I've learned about throughout the years 
who are saying we're returning. We may return through the waters, what some people may call mermaids or mermaid, but many, many of the great gods had tails. They came from the waters. As Ken Carey talks about, the, the return of the bird tribes, some are coming in as birds. Some people would call them ETs, some would call them angels, but the birdmen are returning. Some of the returning as the white calf. And I believe this is a time of celebration, not commiseration. This is a time for this amazing transformation that's taking place where all of the ancient teachers are saying, we will return, we will come and remind you of these practices, whatever they are in your own life, in your own, in your own religion. And no time at all can anybody stop this happening. And if they do, they are merely trying to show us how terrified they are that we may remember who we are. So if you are ready, I'm not going to say just work with the American Indians and Native Americans. You can work or just be surprised by whatever indigenous people come to you in this meditation. Let yourself be open. You may already know, you may have connections to different First Nation people, but be surprised as well. And forget the idea that it might be a past life or not a past life. It may all be of that. But what I know about spirit, that they will return in a way that makes you feel that you're comfortable, but also that they will bring with them whatever gift, whatever is sacred to you at this moment. All right. So if you're in a place that you can meditate with me, then please close your eyes. If this is not a good time, wait until it is. Closing your eyes, please take a short breath in, long out breath down through your body. Let this be your way of purifying, your breath in, your breath out. Breath is essential to our understanding of ourselves, our connection to spirit. It is through the pipe, the chinupa. We breathe in, we breathe out. More accurately, we breathe out, we breathe in. Just keep that breath. Empty, connect. Empty. Empty our thoughts. Connect to all that is. Empty our thoughts. Connect to the above and the below. Empty our thoughts. And stay now, just centered, breathing easily. And I'm just going to take you to your heart chakra just for now. Just the center of your chest, just breathe in and out of that center. And through that center, please go to a place that clearly the indigenous people, the First Nation people have lived for thousands of years. You may be in the desert, you may be in the mountains, you may be by the water, 
let that first thought be the right one. And understand that you may be meeting with indigenous people who no longer exist on our planet. You may have gone a long way back. Let that be right. The waters, the mountains, the trees have been here for thousands of years. The rocks. Just look around you. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Do you feel the wind on your face, the ground under your feet? Is it cool? Is it warm? There's something very familiar about this place to you. Almost like you know exactly where you need to go and sit or stand. Go there now. When we're in the place of sacredness, which is where we are, we're resonating with a certain energy a remembrance, a remembrance of the land, our relationship to the land, to truth, to wisdoms, teachings. Let your energy resonate outwards. Saying, I have arrived or I am here. And let that energy attract towards you now beings, people who hold ancient wisdom. There may be one, there may be a few. And in some sense, you belong to them. You know these people. Who are they? You may hear a name. How are they dressed? And ask them, what makes you and this land sacred? What is important to them? What is it that they know is important to their tradition continuing? Is it their relationship to water, to rocks, to spirit, the teachings, the land? Let them show you what their religious ceremonies look like, their religious practices, their spiritual practices. Remember, religion just means leading back to ourselves.
may be that you're presented with the Chinupa, the pipe. You may also be presented with other different symbols of sacredness and ritual. And they may say to you, we want you to return to us to understand who you are. And they may take you to a place where you can purify, sometimes with, with smoke, sometimes with water. And to do so, you may remove the clothes you're wearing, be given new clothes. Who are you? How do you look when you are one with these beings, these people? How are you dressed? Do you have a name, a sacred name? Hear it now. And they're going to give you something, something that represents their own deep connection between Father Sky, Mother Earth, that you are the connection between them. They give you something so that connection will be eternal. Receive that gift now. And perhaps place it on one of your chakras or in a specific place that is important to these people, this tribe, this group. Which chakra is lit up by this energy? And finally, ask, what words of wisdom can I take back with me? Hear the wisdom now. What can you tell people from this meeting? Now holding your precious item, your sacred item, your sacred gift, and those words of wisdom. Gently say goodbye, knowing you can return anytime. And let that image fade as you bring yourself back to the room where you are. Feel their presence has come with you. Feel that item that they gave you and those words. And I suggest spending a bit of time writing down what you experienced before it's forgotten. Knowing you can return to that meditation anytime that place is there for you, or even go to a different place. I will leave you until next week. Sending love and blessings to you all. Thank you for being on this wonderful red road, this amazing journey with me. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Heart Speak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. 
Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.